Hi, and welcome to Beyond Madness from me, Christopher Paul Sabo. As a psychiatrist, I host conversations about issues emanating from psychiatry that impact society, as well as discuss societal issues that have potential implications for mental health and emotional well-being. My guests include thought leaders from both within the discipline of psychiatry and beyond. Beyond Madness is brought to you in proud association with Adcock Ingram OTC, sponsors of Brave. Inspiring communities, one pharmacy at a time. So the role of the news media in reporting events and reflecting social opinion serves to inform consumers. But it has been understood that media also shape and construct social opinion, and the same goes for emotions. Stories and images are powerful. The question is how to balance reporting, providing facts without undue sensation. Yet in a competitive world where media strive for audiences, it seems that the sensationalism does indeed sell. And it echoes the oft-quoted, if it bleeds, it leads, variously attributed to William Randolph Hearst in 1898 as an understanding of what sells, to Eric Pooley in 1989, criticizing the burying of thoughtful stories in favor of sensational ones. But this is 2023. And today we'll be discussing the media within the context of suicide, reporting in today's episode entitled Suicide and the Media. And my guests for today are Dr. Franz Korb and Professor Lizette Rabi. Franz is a psychiatrist who actually qualified as a clinical psychologist before undertaking medical studies and specialization in psychiatry. He currently works as both a psychologist and psychiatrist in private practice. He's also actively involved in the South African Depression and Anxiety Group, SADAG, and he's editor-in-chief of Mental Health Matters, which is a publication for general practitioners dealing with mental health. Lizette is chair of the journalism department of Stellenbosch University and the editor of the book Hope, Consolation for the Inconsolable, a guide for those who have lost loved ones to suicide. She also founded the Itemba Foundation to raise awareness about depression and funds for research. Lizette and France, welcome. Thank you for joining us here today and for this episode. And I want to start out with, with you, France. I mean, you, you have an article which is due for publication in South African Psychiatry. Um, I think it'll be the August issue and the article deals with suicide prevention. In fact, the title of the article is Suicide Prevention from a Global Perspective, Progress and Challenges. And ultimately, we kind of start out with suicide and then we get into media reporting. But obviously, I want to start out by talking about suicide. But before I even get into that, the the, the basis of your, your article was on a Congress attendance. Yeah. Maybe you just want to talk a little yeah. bit about that? Yeah. yeah last year um, in 2022, I attended the European College of Neuropsychopharmacology meeting in Vienna and Austria. And um, I thought being involved with um, SADAC for so many years mm. that uh, there was only one session looking at suicide. I right. mean, the whole it was a pharmacology conference, but it was quite interesting that it was only one session on suicide. That is interesting. And it was a very interesting session. What they do at the ECNP is besides having normal didactic lectures, yeah. they've got things which is called a campfire session. Okay. Are oh, they actual campfires? <laughs> well, they, they, what they do is they, 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 they've got blow up this kind of big igloo. Right. And they only allow 40 people inside. Okay. And you've got one hour and they get an expert on a topic mm. and it's a discussion. Okay. On a certain topic. And this was on suicide and the media. Because the person that, that, that ran the discussion is a professor of, in, in, in psychiatry at the University of Vienna. Right. And he's been involved at, with the Austrian Association for the Prevention of Suicide. Right. Okay. And it was very interesting. So it's and, very and, intimate. Yeah, it's very, only 40 people and you sit in a circle. Mm. Uh, I suppose they could have had a picture of a fire in the middle. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and it's very interesting. And they, and they it's take, interactive. And it's totally interactive. Okay. Yeah. So he, he leads the discussion and yeah. he brings up certain topics, yeah. but it's totally interactive. It's really and nice because, I mean, a lot of congresses, they're, they're almost impersonal, yeah. but this yeah. sounds much more intimate and much yeah. more personal yeah. and, and, and maybe more meaningful in yeah. terms of the yeah. information. Yeah. And it was quite nice because it's an international conference, so there were people from all over the world. Right. And it was very interesting to hear certain viewpoints and various viewpoints and how specifically the topic of suicide is uh, managed all over the world. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. All right. So that was your exposure 
to that specific session and then the article ensued. So yeah. let's start out talking about suicide. And I always like to define our terms of reference because specifically we've got suicide and we've got the media. So I went to the National Institute for Mental Health, American body, uh, looking at a definition of suicide. And, and their definition is death caused by self-directed injurious behavior with intent to die as a result of the behavior. And I think, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure that there are any other definitions that might be better than that, or there may be other definitions. And then obviously when we talk about the media, and Lizette, you will correct me here, but for me, I'm just thinking about mass communication of information, and there's a whole basket of, 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 of media sources from broadcasting to publishing to, to, to internet. So I think those are our yeah. two basic terms. So I just want to get into this issue of, of, of suicide. We've, we've defined it. How common is it? And obviously in, in your article, you kind yeah. of drill down into, into prevalence looking at international data, then American data, and then South African data. Yeah. So maybe you want to walk us through that yeah. and um, I'll jump in as you, yeah. as yeah. you go. So, so first of all, what we did at the, at that meeting and how he structured it was exactly looking at the prevalence, right. looking at statistics worldwide. Right. And then, um, of course, being South African, I added my South African stats, what okay. I could find, yes. which is not so easy to find, but the, the little bit. Yes. And then we looked at the media more specifically. Right. But I think when we look at the, 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 the statistics, the, the, the main statistics we could find was that from the World Health Organization. Yes. And they published last year in 22, the latest data, which was the 2019 data, right. but was only published last year by the World Health Organization. Okay, so there's always a bit of a lag in a terms two, of… A two, three-year lag. Yeah. But what they find, first of all, worldwide, that about 700,000 people, they think, estimated, right. committed suicide in 2019. Right. Although, Christopher, you know that I think we, we – and that was part of the discussion that is – that is really kind of a, a underestimation. I'm sure. Because – to get statistics on suicide is very difficult yes. because when you look at how death certificates are structured, and we had a discussion mm -hmm. about that as well, right. it will rather be in say, instead of saying suicide, it will say by suffocation. Okay, which could have all sorts which of Which could have all kinds of causes. So right. to actually extract exact statistics is very difficult. So, but, but that is what they, they mentioned, 700,000 worldwide. So we could – Say that in terms of accuracy of data, that might be a minimum number. A minimum number. Not, Absolutely. not a maximum. So yeah, we're sort yeah. of starting at that base. Yeah. It's a lot of and, people. Yeah. And of course, the other thing that we do not know, there must be a vast majority of attempted suicides. Yes. No, those figures we don't have. No, and I think the, the, the issue of completed versus attempted is very yeah. important because at the end of the day, there are many, many more attempts than completed. Than completed suicides. Thankfully, yeah. one yeah. might say. Yeah. yeah. So, I think what's interesting for me is that 77% of completed suicides are in low and middle income countries, of which that, we are one. That, that was the, the, the statistics from the analysis from the World Health Organization. And if you look more specifically of what it is, if you look at the top 10, yeah. three of those are the SADC countries. No, no, I think that for me was – forget the American data for now because we'll, we'll come back yeah. to that. But if we just touch on the South African data – I mean, I saw that we were number 10, 10 on yeah. the World Health Organization Absolutely. list. But what really shocked me was who's number one. Number one was Lesotho. Lesotho. Of all countries. And number three. Three was Eswatini. was Swaziland. Swaziland. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact is that um, there are three countries literally, well, two are within one. Yeah. You know. With the highest suicide, kind of the highest suicide rates in the world. Yeah. Which and I think, I think even more significant was something that I think often we, we, we fail to, to address is when they drill down then, uh, in the numbers. Well, we are what, 35, 34.5 per 100,000? 23. No, we are 23.5. 23.5. Yeah, per 100,000. Per 100,000. Lesotho is 72.4 per 100,000 yeah. and Eswatini, Swaziland, 29.4. Yeah. But if you then look male-female ratio, ah, that, that is very different. That men, the South African data shows that the men commit or the, 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 the statistics is five times more yes. than women in, yes. in South Africa. And I think we've always understood that gender is a specific risk factor with men more likely to complete, women more likely to attempt 
and of course there might be various explanations yeah, yeah. for that. But we'll we'll get into to to that. But just coming back to the international data, if we're looking at youth, fifteen to twenty nine yeah. year olds, the fourth leading cause of death. of this worldwide, yeah. and even a, a a bigger frightening statistic is they looked at the increase in teen suicide between twenty twelve and twenty twenty, right. and there was a twenty nine percent increase. In teen suicide. Now, that's the American data. That's American data American from data. the CDC. From, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the actual American data give us a, a very interesting uh, uh, um, gradient from thoughts to plans to attempts mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. complete it. So, starting out with how many people thought about suicide, they give a figure of 12.2 million. How many people actually planned suicide? A number of 3.2. How many attempted? 1.2 million through to completed suicides of 46,000, which (coughs) you've reduced into one every 11 minutes, Minutes. which is kind of shocking in a way when you think every 11 minutes somebody kills themselves in America. So I think that what you see is that there is this gradient between thoughts, plans, attempts, and then eventual suicide. Completed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think for, for psychiatry, it's very important because the fact that somebody's thinking about suicide, fortunately, in that sense, as, as, as obviously one is clearly dealing with somebody who's distressed, the likelihood of completion is quite small, quite small when you yeah. look at these kind of ratios. But you have to take thought seriously. Yeah. Because yeah. at the yeah. end of the day, how do you predict Who's going to move from yeah. a thought to a plan to an attempt to a completion? Yeah. And and you know that 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 to me <clears throat> is 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 the the most important thing I think in t- in terms of of clinical practice or in in terms of society is that we need to try and identify when people are on that spectrum. Yeah. We don't want them to to get to the suicide attempt. Yes, I mean once once this the the the, the Suicide is there, then it's, it's too late. Yes. But we need to catch people or identify people or, uh, get to know who the people are. Yes. That, that is thinking about suicide with a suicide ideation and stop the process. Yes. And that is always forever. The crucial point is how do you identify people and catch people before they progress to a suicide attempt or a, a completed suicide? I have to say that it's, 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 it's very difficult because at the end of the day, the individuals that I've known who've completed suicide very often took everybody by surprise. Yep. Yep. And I think that uh, that's, a, that's a real issue actually. You know, what was quite interesting in, in one particular instance, the person had gone home to visit their parents, had appeared in really good spirits. And so the family were quite uh, pleasantly surprised and thought, wow. This is good. This is this is this is looking mm, great. Mm, mm. Only to discover subsequently, after he had left, that in fact what he'd come to do was to say goodbye. Yeah, yeah. and they hadn't realized yeah, that because yeah. he subsequently killed himself. And when they went to his place of residence, um, everything was neatly laid out. Everything was organized. Letters, documents. Mm, so essentially, mm. he was almost relieved. He'd made a decision, mm. and he'd gone to say goodbye, and then he'd gone to complete. The act, and it's kind of interesting that 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 the interpretation of his behavior was one way, yeah, yeah, but his intent was something completely yeah, different, yeah. and it just kind of emphasized to me, wow, one never knows, and yeah, so you've got to yeah. be so sensitive to to things that happen where you say, hmm, this doesn't quite fit, yeah, yeah. there's something <clears throat> going on here, yeah, you yeah. know. So I think this issue of suicide prediction is is is, is it's really, a very very difficult, very difficult, very one. difficult. Yeah. So. But we'll 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 come more to that, but I wanted to just talk about methods because you obviously speak about that in your article yeah. and what the most common methods are, and we're yeah. not promoting them in any way. We're just noting them from a scientific point yeah. of view yeah. because there are actually reasons why, and I'll I'll, I'll get into that. But yeah. the, the 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 issues of, of of methods. Yeah, I mean there are there are obviously many methods, but yes. the ones that the World Health Organization identified from the nineteen nineteen or twenty nine. 2019 stats yes. was that um, pesticides, and maybe that's the the, the Southern African context, right. pesticides as a method of suicide, yeah. and then hanging and shooting. Right. So those were the the main methods of of completed suicide. And you see, I suppose having awareness of that also influences 
responses in terms of availability, mm, mm. firearms, substances that one could ingest. Yeah, yeah. So that is where that comes in. And, and, and we've been speaking about risk, but one of the biggest risk factors, as noted, is prior attempts. As prior attempts, yeah. I mean, we've got lists of, of kind of ways we try to predict, yes. you know, male, uh, white males, middle-aged, jobless, single, right. um, all those kind of things, getting your affairs in order, having had a psychiatric illness, suffering from depression. Right. So we've got all those predictive things. But still, the method, it's, it's, there's never, there's no correlation between that kind of thing, yes. the prediction and the method they're going to use. Yes. You know, when you look at the suicide prevention people, they say if a person is suicidal, a lock away firearms. And then? You know, but, yeah. but that's not. Well, I think that it's difficult. Yeah. I think that one can develop a checklist of risk factors, but it doesn't necessarily tell you beyond risk when it might, might or might happen. not happen. Yeah. And I think that's the difficulty. And I think that I would imagine that features such as helplessness and hopelessness, which are part and parcel of mood disorders, amongst others, will be there as probably well. Probably feature. So before I bring in Lizette, I just wanted to touch on some information which I really found quite stark actually which was the number of calls that the south african depression and yeah, anxiety yeah. group were receiving pre-covid during lockdown post-covid yeah, yeah. i mean this is really and uh, those are the real statistics and explode yeah this is raw data <laughs> yeah, this is raw data i mean you were going pre-covid 600 calls a day on average on yeah. average yeah during lockdown up to well, 1,400 well, calls yeah. a day. What happened was we, 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 we track all our, our, our calls. Yeah. So it was 600 before lockdown. And in the first three months of lockdown, yeah. it shot up, it doubled. Right. So after the first three months, it went to between 1,000 and 1,400 per day. Yes. But then in, we looked at our statistics last year, 2022. Yeah. And a six month period last year, we're now averaging Far over 3,000 calls per day. Okay, the, the, what I also want to qualify is that SADAC deals with all mental illness. No, no, right, yeah. But when, just when, we dr- when we drilled down last year, yeah. one in five of our calls were suicide-related. But now? Currently. Oh, that currently. was now 2022. Okay, because I thought it was up to one in four. It was one in four. It was, but it incre- the previous year was right. one in four, yeah. but it's now increased to well, uh, it was one in five, now it's and it's now it's, it's in increased. It's getting worse. It's now one in four. Well, I mean, if you take twenty five percent of yeah. three thousand calls a day, that's a lot of calls per day. And I think that what you also specified in your article was that the majority are coming from youth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, which which mirrors the kind of American data. Yeah. So that's a real concern. So I think we've sort of provided some background around suicide, some of the essential elements. Lizette, I want to bring you in here because obviously I I read your article in the South African Medical Association's publication, Insider. And you tell a very personal story, and and obviously I'd like you to share that with us. But I think we just need to note the, the title of the article was Suicide and the Violence of Words because I think words are important, and I think that is part of your journey is around the use of words. And so, Lizette, your story. Thank you for having me. Um, Yes, of course, the violence of words, because words matter. Um, And they can deepen stigma or they can destigmatize. And if you'll allow me, just in terms of listening to to what you've said um, up to now, um, just listening to the definition the the us definition on what you know suicide is i think they want can already engage in a critical way in terms of words mm-hmm. because the definition also reads the intent to die mm-hmm. and we know from from research on suicide that the person doesn't really want to die but can't live anymore mm-hmm. the the pain of, of existing is just too much. Um, and, and France will also be able to confirm that because the research shows that it's not the intent to die. It's the intent to escape from this indescribable emotional pain. Right. Um, and then, you know, words matter. Um, one of the guidelines for, um, responsible suicide reporting is that um, 
the wording should not be committed suicide. Yes. Because the int- there it, it really means that, you know, it's, it sounds like a crime mm. um, because it's not a rational deed. It's the most irrational deed one can think of. Yes. Um, our prehistoric um, urge is to survive yes. and to escape from mm. the teeth of the, you know, the the saber-toothed yeah. tiger. But right. here you just run into those teeth. And um, so there's nothing rational about it. Um, so the, the, the wording should be not commit suicide, but die of suicide. That is, that is what is, what is, um, uh, suggested in, in responsible suicide reporting. Yes. And then it's not only the media. I know we're talking about suicide in the media today, but it's also other environments and even those environments that, that work with mental health. Yes. Um, for instance, psychology and psychiatry. Mm. I was shocked when I started to read up about suicide because of, of our own loss to suicide. Yes. And you said, you know, just give some background. Yes, yes, we lost one of our beloved sons to suicide when he was 20, 21 years old right. and a fourth-year medical student. And there we also know, and France will also know that that yeah. um, mental ill health on on especially medical campuses, it's the highest on all campuses in terms of of mental health, um, and that the highest statistic for death because of suicide is among doctors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so um, it it um, our son was diagnosed with depression and yes also the same picture we thought he's getting better Mm -hmm. um and then it was the opposite right so so also falls into that picture um but but what i wanted to say is that even the fields that deal with mental health psychology and psychiatry Mm. i was shocked when i started to read up in trying to find answers, and of course, one will never find answers. Um, the questions will remain. But um, when I started to read up in the fields of psychology and psychiatry, and I'm an autodidact in this field, I have my master's and PhD in, in history and media history, right. specifically, Um but I discovered that, that, you know, the fields of psychology and psychiatry talk about, um, successful suicides. Yes. And, and we've, I've also heard now this morning completed suicides. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing successful about a suicide. And instead of talking about a completed suicide, just leave out that adjective. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a suicide. Um, uh, to, 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 to stress the fact that it was completed, um, is unnecessary. Well, you're saying uh, it's, you're saying it's tautologist, really, because suicide is suicide. Yeah. yeah. And, and we, we should not only look about, uh, look at, um, suicide reporting, but also reporting on mental health, um, you know, in a, you know, more general way. That's also one of the, pitfalls for the media is how we report about mental health Mm. because Mm. in that way we also almost immediately stigmatize Um, and that is obviously one of the reasons why the statistics are so high um, is because we we add to stigma and we add to the silence and to the fact that those who um are already in the stage of suicide ideation, hmm. do not come to the fore and say, please help me, um, because it's it's that, that stigma. Um, so, so we should also look wider, also in terms of, of reporting and mental health and not only reporting on, on suicide. Yes, I think that the, 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 the issue of mental health has certainly come to the fore in recent years, 
looking sort of post-pandemic, during pandemic, suddenly it became something that everybody was very conscious of, very aware of. And I tend to look at these kind of situations and say, well, we see that from time to time where there's a sudden interest and then it kind of just gets uh, integrated into the news cycle and then it just kind of fades into the background Mm -hmm. until Mm -hmm. something happens. And then there is this once again sort of flaring up of, of, of interest and reporting and then it fades. So we have this waxing and waning. And I think what we're talking about is how we – and I think this is an issue for psychiatry generally, really, is how we, without overstating, integrate in a way where there is an understanding that this is part and parcel of our lived reality. We have folk who struggle and who suffer. And our job, obviously, is as caregivers – in terms of providing them with the appropriate to hopefully get them back to a level of emotional functioning that is reasonable and a level of functioning generally that is reasonable with an ability to integrate back into society and take their place and fulfill their potential. So, I mean, that is ideally what we achieve as, as, as psychiatrists. I think that we tend to um, not necessarily always reach that ideal, but certainly it's something that we that we strive for. But in terms of talking about the media. I mean, one of the issues is, is, is that of sensationalism. And I think that that is specifically a, a, a concern. And, and for me, in, in, in sort of looking into this issue, it was about how we can report factually, but responsibly. Because the facts are the facts. Now, the question is, how much weight do you give to them? How do you describe them, what sort of words do you use? And how do you frame the story, actually? Because you can take, well, I'm telling you as a professor of journalism, <laughs> but how you frame the story, I mean, you and I can come to the same situation, have the same facts, and have a completely different headline. It's as simple as that. So I think that the question is, how do we find that balance? Because sensationalism sells. I mean, that comes back to my opening statement mm-hmm. where – and, you know, I, I, I came across – because I always go down these rabbit holes when I, when I prepare. And I came across a piece called Emotions and Media – and I came across uh, 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 an organization who specifically look at that. And let me just get the, uh, get the title of the, the organization. It's the Center for the History of Emotions. And they've got a, a research cluster on emotions and media. And I think that what we are really speaking to at, at some level is how the media evoke and what is the potential yeah. consequence of, yeah. of, of evoking. Yeah. Yeah. And they used the uh, example in this particular article, and I'm sure each one of you can remember the tragic picture of the three-year-old Syrian boy lying lifeless mm-hmm. on a beach. Yeah. And they used that as, as, as an illustration of, of how you evoke emotion. And then the question becomes, well, did that just sell newspapers? Or did it lead to any meaningful change? So I think that if you're going to sensationalize something, you need to have some kind of objective in mind that you're actually going to see through for there to be a meaningful, useful consequence. Lizette, what would your thoughts be on that? Because I don't want to – because I think we have to accept that sensationalism is not going to disappear. But I think it's a question of if 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 it is tending towards the more sensational, okay, what's your intention? And is it purely profit or is there something more? You know, I think we should distinguish between what is really sensation and what is newsworthy. Right. Um, That picture was newsworthy because it awoke our emotions because it was a child. We we react um, because we we want to take care of children um, in a different way. So so, – it's also that picture, um, you know, the Hiroshima bomb- bombing. Um, yes. That that the, the the girl running away with the clothing burnt off her skin. Um, so, so they are they, they are. It's like the curate's egg. There are good parts and there are bad parts, and yes. we should always just question ourselves and be critical about ourselves. And, you know, there is we as the media, we want to put the spotlight on others, but we should also put the spotlight on ourselves. And every single moment in terms of how we report, yes. um, because we, we know the media in the digital revolution is really struggling 
the 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 business model for print media it just doesn't work anymore and the business model for digital media is not working yet right. so so we are desperate and in that desperation we need the clicks mm. and for clicks you need sensation yes. so we need to ask ourselves what is responsible reporting in terms of mental health and then um one statistic says that um in more than 90% of suicides um the cause is an is depression right. so a clinical biological illness yes um so how we report on that um and you know the the basic thing about the 5w's and the 1h the the why the who the what the when, the where, and the how. Yes. We should always ask ourselves, um, in terms of mental health reporting, in terms of suicide reporting, what are these five Ws and yes. the one H? Right. And we should not sensationalize, not stigmatize, not glorify. Mm. Um, and then, mm. of course, Franz also referred to not gratuitously report on, yes. on the way of, you know, how that, that suicide happened. So, so it's a continuous um, self um, criticism yes. of 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 how we we work in the newsroom, and there, you know, we know how under pressure newsrooms also are. Um, it's it's not you know a, a deadline once every twenty four hours. It is twenty four seven. Every single minute is a deadline now. Yes. So the pressure is so high, and the mistakes so many. Mm. But of course, it's not an excuse yes. not to follow responsible suicide reporting methods. And we know, in our case, our South African press code doesn't have any reference. Mm. Mm. to suicide reporting. Right. There's one instance where mental health is 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 mentioned, but that's part of many other um uh focus focuses uh under privacy, dignity and reputation, lots of, of dif different aspects aspects to that. Yes. So, so we need to have some guidelines. Right. And those guidelines are there. Mm. Um, you know, there's the World Health Organization's um, yeah. suicide res resource. Yes, and I think France makes, France makes yeah. reference to that in his article, and I actually wanted to drill down into the do's and don'ts because I yeah. think that's very important. But just coming back to what you were saying, Lizette, I mean, what in essence I take away from everything you said is that as much as one reports on a suicide, you need to go deeper into the context what it's all about, and I think in that you start to perform an educative function so that one sees there are reasons and one starts to look at the bigger picture of caregiving because, in fact, one even takes it beyond that into what sort of services are available. So you almost move into politics in that sense because of the service provision both in the state and the private sector. So I think you provide a more comprehensive background and what I'm understanding from what you're saying is that there is actually a framework and that when you get into specific situations you need to really look at how you have framed the story within the broader context which then aside from just reporting on an incident is actually providing a context to that incident which then takes you to a more educative and hopefully more thoughtful reflection mm. on what you've read. Would I be correct in understanding that? I think that would be the ideal. Answer. Yes, of course. Of course, I'm being <laughs> yeah. idealistic. Yeah. But I think yeah. if we don't have ideals, then what do we have? Yeah. So we yeah. do have to, we do have to yeah. strive yeah. in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. But I wanted to get to what you mentioned, which France was, uh, uh, has written about in his article, which is the, the training, the World Health Organization's Preventing Suicide, a resource for media professionals. Now I just want to start mm. with that whole concept of preventing suicide. Because offline yeah. I'd said to France, you know, for all of the effort and all of the energy and all of the knowledge and information, we're seeing increasing rates. 
So what is going wrong with prevention? And I don't claim to have an answer, and I'm not intending to answer this <laughs> in today's conversation, but I think we do have to note it yeah. as a reality. So when I see a statement, preventing suicide, a resource for media professionals, let's be clear. We're talking about a specific aspect of potential suicide yeah. Prevention. Yeah. So I want to get into the, who's, the do's and don'ts, but yeah. France. I just want to, to add a little bit more context, which is yes. my article. Yeah. And, and two of the things we, we discussed in Vienna at, at our campfire session. Yes. Two examples. I mean, there are many examples. I think when, when I did a PubMed search, there's now far over a hundred research articles published, clinical articles on the effect of media on suicide. Right. So that, that, that's the unquestionable. The two things we did discuss and how this all came about in Vienna is that uh, the Vienna uh, underground was constructed in the 1980s mm-hmm. and uh, the, the suicide rates on the, the U-Bahn, on the underground, yes. just kept on increasing. And, and, and what they then decided – So just to be clear, when you say suicide rate, are these people jumping in front of the trains? In front of the trains, yeah. Horrendous, yes. And what then, then the University of Vienna then to start at the psychiatry department started the, the, the uh, suicidology, uh, research center. Yes. And that, that, uh, led to the Austrian Association for Suicide Prevention. Right. And then they were the first people that actually drew up guidelines for the media. Right. And once that guidelines were implemented in, in Vienna, the suicide rate on the U-Bahn decreased by 75%. That's uh, significant. And and what is even more is that reduction in suicides, they followed it up for five years, right. remained low over the five-year period. So to show you change. Yeah, to show you the influence of the media. The second one that we discussed… So can I ask a difficult question yeah. here? Did it simply mean that those folk… Who would have committed suicide on the subway now committed suicide by a different means elsewhere. That is a very difficult one, which we can't answer. You know, because obviously <laughs> as a, as a, I'm not going to call myself a yeah. scientist, but hopefully as a somewhat yeah. critical thinker, I say, okay, that looks kind of interesting. But the one thing I do know is that when you close the lid on one thing, it but might, you don't necessarily deal with the source of that thing, it pops up somewhere else. Yeah. Could be. But I mean, you know, we have to start somewhere. No, no, I think. sure, sure. And I think that the yeah. uh, uh, initiative was: this is not acceptable. Yeah. We need yeah. to do something about it. We're going to draw up guidelines for media reporting yeah. on these suicides, and we notice an association. Yeah. And the second one we discussed was that of Robin Williams, right? And they actually showed us a picture of a, a New York uh, newspaper. When Robin Williams committed suicide, he hung himself in what 2014. Right. And one newspaper on the the headline. On the newspaper was in bold letters hanging. Yes. That was what it was on the front page. Right. And they, they did a thorough study of what happened after uh, Robin Williams' suicide. And they found that in the two months they looked to the two months immediately after the suicide, that the suicide rates increased by 10% right. in America and specifically amongst men and also uh, hanging themselves. Just as two examples to show the kind of influence that the media can have yes. on, on suicide. So this is a kind of a social contagion yeah. in a sense. Yeah. And yeah. this has got a specific name, France. It's called the Werther effect. Yeah, they, they, they used it to, to, you know, in medicine we, we like to name things after people. Yes. And the Werther effect actually comes – The uh, Goethe published a book called The Sorrows of the Young Werther. That was his name. Yes. And in the book – uh, he commits – well, he loses his lover or the lover abandons, uh, abandons him, him yes. and he commits suicide right. by shooting himself. Right. And once that book was published, again they found that uh, there was men committing suicide by shooting themselves. The rates went up. Right. And that is why in, in, the, in the kind of suicidology world, yes. they call it the Werther effect. But, um, it's not, but it's not all bad news. Yeah. Because I think there's also the Papageno effect. Yes. So in, in, in our later years, now more recently, Papageno comes from Mozart's magic flute where, um, Papageno also loses, uh, his lover and he plans suicide. And then his three friends comes to him and convinces him that life is worthwhile. And he abandons then the whole, uh, idea of committing suicide. And that's why they call it the Papageno effect. And I think that that speaks to what you were saying, Lizette, about the the pain of living. 
actually? You know, how do you live with this distress? How do you live with this, this sorrow, this pain? And mm. sometimes death seems like a, 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 an option, but it's really about not that you necessarily want to die. It's about the pain mm. of, of, of living. So, but I want to get back to the World Health mm. Organization's do's and don'ts because I think this is where Lizette will come in and this is obviously yep. what, what France has written about. So let's walk through some of those do's and don'ts and we can start with what you shouldn't okay. do in terms of the uh, prevention of suicide, the resource for yep. media professionals. Maybe I also want to – you know, when I wrote that article – yes. Which you're going to publish. Yes. I actually am coming back from, from Vienna back to South Africa. Um, there are quite a lot of countries in the world that do have specific media guidelines. Right. And in uh, the jour- journalistic or journalism course at the University of Vienna, yes. they do an ethics block or an ethics component to it as well. Right. And ethical reporting on uh, suicidology or suicide is very much an integral part of their course. Okay. And then I tried to find out in South Africa, and I think Lizette has just confirmed it, that there is no such guidelines in South Africa for the training of journalists at our universities. So let me just jump in there because, I mean, Lizette, I, I, I've come across this term media ethics. like it's, I mean, it's not sort of some new term, but this, this whole issue, I would have thought that ethics is something that is taught in journalism. Um, not just in relation to suicide, but generally? Yes or no? Yes, of course. Media <laughs> ethics is part and parcel of, of journalism courses. Yes. And, and obviously under that very broad umbrella, there are different aspects of media ethics. But just in terms of, of what Francis referred to, um, you know, the Werther effect or if you want to pronounce it in, in, um, Werther, yes. uh, the, the, um, the, the, the young men at the time, and we're talking 300 years ago, um, actually also wore the same color of a coat, a blue coat. That he wore. That the young in, the, in the wore book. In the book. When he died of, of suicide. And that book for some time was, was, um, uh, censored. It, it wasn't available. Um, so, so, um, the, and, and in media theory, we talk about the, me, the um, effect theory, the effect of media. Mm. Um, uh, and and in, in this case, how to deal with the source of, um, of that, those suicides. Yes. Um, it, 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 it goes back a couple of steps earlier, and that is awareness raising of the importance of mental health. Right. How do we write about that? Mm. Um, and you know, in, in, in our world that we live in, we need to be so sensitive that even, you know, a sensitive topic in the classroom is started with, um, trigger warning. Yes. That, that you make sure that, that no student storms out in, in a, in a state of despair. Mm. So, yes. so mm. even teaching, you know, how do you report on mental health? How do you report on suicide? And you cannot sidestep it because it's part of of media ethics. Um, and suicides happen on campuses. Yes. Much more than we think. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, France would specifically speak yeah. to that, actually. So just, just jump yeah. in there, France, yeah. and just respond to what Lizette has said about no, campuses. No. <clears throat> yeah, no. At, at, at SADAC, I mean, I, I'm sure you're aware of it. At SADAC, we, I've contracted a few universities in South Africa where we run specific helplines right. for those universities, specifically just for that university, mm-hmm. and some of them the medical campuses. Right. And, and as uh, I think Lizette said before, I think you said it before, that the, the suicide rate amongst medical students yes. and medical doctors is – I somewhere read about two or three times higher than the general population. So, so really it is very, very, very prevalent. I mean, that's yeah. really concerning as we sit here. I'm a medical professional. You are, and we are now discussing the fact that amongst our colleagues, we have this increased rate of suicide, but I don't recall other than like you and I discussing it now that there's any serious discussion around that. And so are we saying that medical studies are a risk factor or are we saying that people who undertake medical studies are more at risk? Mm. I mean, it's, 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 it's quite a discussion actually. And how do we as caring professionals care for ourselves? And I think that's always been part of the problem is that doctors 
don't like to come forward and declare yeah. themselves as potentially being patients. Yeah. So there is that issue, which I think plays into it. But the fact of the matter is I went through my entire medical training, through psychiatry training actually, working as a professional, never really had those kinds of discussions mm-hmm. actually. And yet it's quite blatant yeah. and it's quite in your face that, wow, isn't that an issue for yeah. you guys? I don't recall the discussion. To be honest with you, maybe I missed that, but I don't recall it. But what I do want to get back to, because I mustn't lose track of where I am, is the do's and don'ts. And and that's where France, you and Lizette can can ding-dong about what the World Health Organization has to say about what they feel responsible reporting might be in that context. So let's go through the list. Yeah, I mean – I've got it here in front of me. If yes. you look at the, the do nots from the WHO, and they've got a short little list. I, yeah. I've seen uh, a list from the, the Austrian one is quite a long list of, right. of do's and don'ts. But basically, if you look at the, the do nots from the WHO, yeah. so things like don't give precise details of the suicide method. Right. Don't give personal information of the person who uh, committed suicide. Yes. Um, Rather use other words like Lizette has also said, self-inflicted death rather than uh, uh, suicide. Right. And if you do report about suicide, don't do it like on the front page and there's massive big words hanging. Rather put it more to the the other parts of the newspaper. I know from – we were always taught that newspapers – Certain stories will go on certain pages, and this page is more important than that page when people read newspapers, you know, the layout. So rather put it not in a very uh, obvious, prominent front page kind of a thing. So placement is important. Yeah. I mean, you're reporting on it, but if you place it appropriately, then it it, it sits where it should. Yeah. And I think for me, one of the most important things is not to to normalize Mm -hmm. or or suicide or sensationalize it. Right. You know that… That it's, this is the way out if you're in stress or, 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 or that kind of thing. Yes. Uh, try and stay away from exp- describing explicit, uh, ways of, of, of suicide and try and stay away from precise location, jumping in front yeah. of the train. Right. Or from you a know, certain bridge. Certain bridge or from a certain mm-hmm. building or, yeah. or, or that kind of thing. You know, sensational headlines must be uh, uh, avoided. And lastly, Try not to use photographs, video footage, and that kind of thing. And and I think, you know, when I, I went through this and when we were discussing it, I was thinking we were basically talking there primarily about the print media. Yes. And if I look at what is being posted on Social what is media. It, on, on TikTok Instagram. and Instagram yep. and Twitter and all these things, there has been horrific photographs there of of, of people actually taking videos of a person while they commit suicide, mm. you know, that kind of thing, which is absolutely horrific that the photographs and things that have been put on there. So what about the do's? What should you oh, do? Do you want to, yes, I, I wonder if, uh, do, uh, Lizette, Lizette, do you want, do you want, do you want to, to comment further on those? On the do nots. Uh, well, you know, it, it, it sounds so straightforward and simplistic, you know, what we should do and mm. what we shouldn't do. Yes. Um, and, not sometimes, but maybe all the time in the, in the hurry to get to the deadline and to, to be able to put it online, we for, forget to, to really look at the do-nots and the do's. One of the do's clearly is do put in an info box or yeah. a sidebar yeah. with yeah. where you can get help. Mm. In our case, for instance, SADAC, um, and, and put the numbers there, uh, that, that people, um, because you can accept that so- someone would be triggered yes. when reading something like that. So it's, it's clear. Um, and also in terms of the headline, um, yes. France also referred to, to the headline with Robin Williams's death. De- yes. Um, you know, <laughs> refrain from trying to write a cheap headline, please. Mm. Um, you know that it sounds so so straightforward, but um, you, you and you would think that that journalists and those who have to write those headlines will be sensitive to the yeah. fact that we are talking about someone's life and someone's death. Mm, absolutely. But you know, in the 
in the way that newsrooms operate, you, you almost distance yourself also maybe to protect yourself. And then you can be so unsensitive in what you do. Um, and then the, the simple things don't include the, the location of the death, um, uh, the method, etc. Because we know about the copycat um, yes. suicide, um, etc. So, so, um, and I, we, we've referred to the WHO's um, uh, guideline, but there's another very good one, which is called the Suicide Reporting Toolkit. Right. By two um, uh, media academics um, who, who compiled it, and you can just Google suicide reporting toolkit, and they have the responsible suicide reporting model. Okay, and it's very interesting. And and they, for instance, what journalists should do, what journalist educators should do, mm. and it's mm. it, it, it it's almost a step by step thing. Um, so so the the the, the Aids are there. We should just follow them yeah. and, and, and not follow cheap clicks. Yes, because I think that is the temptation, right? Yeah. And, and maybe I can also just chip in there again. Yes. I mean, to me, the most – we're talking about print media, and print media is a slow process. You know, you can still monitor. It's slower. It's, it's, you, you know, you, you can review things. You can look at it and it'll only come out in the newspaper tomorrow. Yes. But to me, the most problematic thing is the, the, the social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can publish thing. Anybody can put anything in social media at any time, whatever they want to. So the control over social media, I think, is really the big problem rather than purely focusing on the print media, on a newspaper or a magazine. Oh, no, I think you're absolutely right there. And I think it becomes much more difficult because that… Because how do you police it? That social media content is spewing out at such a pace and all over the place, it's, 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 it's like a sieve. Yeah. It's everywhere. I mean, you, you can put uh, – you can devise uh, guidelines for writing a blog. But how you how are you going to implement those guidelines? Yeah. Because the social media is open to anybody at any time, and you can put on whatever you want to. Sure, and I think that you know. So that to me is the 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 the, the, the really the worrying part of all of this. So who monitors and where's the line? But I think in terms of the do's, I think there's some very clear messages that come through in terms of yeah. providing information about help seeking, where to seek help. Just yep. giving, you know, background, a, a kind of a balanced view of, of, of facts about suicide and suicide prevention, um, without spreading myths. I think that's very important. And, you know, coping, talking yeah. about coping. St- coping, coping stress, uh, coping with stress, uh, coping with everyday problems and, and, and those kind of things. And, and I, I think what Lizette has just highlight that as well. I must admit, lots of the articles, not only on suicide, but on mental health, I now most often see that they will put in a little block Block, with helplines in there. And, and that I think is, 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 is a very, very good step forward. And I think the other issue is celebrity suicides because those are the ones that catch the eye. And so I think there's a specific caution in terms of how you report. I mean, everything we're talking about relates to all suicides, but I think the celebrity suicide is the one that's Potentially going to capture yeah. the public, so there you've got to be specifically, yeah. very yeah. careful and very cautious. And and it's also, yeah, I mean, we know that the public and young people do identify with their uh, their celebrities. Yes, I think another thing we haven't mentioned yet today, and maybe our time is too short mm. now, is reporting on suicide and forgetting that that person that has committed suicide has got a family. And whatever is remained behind. Very important. And what are the emotional, I don't want to call it damage, but what are the emotional consequences, consequences mm-hmm. of the families and the people that knew that person yes. if you read about all of this in the media? Yes. So that to me is a very important thing what one should remember as well. I think it just comes down to respect at the end of the day. You know, there must be a certain dignity because – the family are going to read that or it will come to their attention. And this is a loved one that they're going to be reading about. And so I think you need to think to yourself, 
how might they experience what I've written? And I do, I, I don't know if that comes into media ethics, but I do think that it is an ethical component because it's not just about the individual. There's a whole extended network of, of family, friends, peers, mm-hmm. colleagues, what have you. So I think that that is very important, mm-hmm. France, and mm-hmm. certainly not to be forgotten. So the other issue that I wanted to get to as, as we come towards the end is the support for families who have lost a loved one to, to, to suicide. And I know, Lizette, that you had a specific concern about how families are potentially perceived or how people extend themselves in the bereavement process to, to families where they've lost a loved one to suicide. Your thoughts on that? Maybe just to say that no one is immune Yes. to, to Mental ill health. Mm. Um, uh, wish we could be, but it's not the case. So it's not only the the near family that will be affected by how we report on on mental health and and um, suicide. It can be anyone reading, um, because mm. no one is immune, and and that is also why we should maybe focus on the positive in terms of raising awareness about the importance of mental health, breaking down the stigma and breaking the silence so that people can seek help earlier. And in our specific case, um, on on a medical campus, that those medical students can also say, help me, um, and that they are empowered to say, help me. And I think that is all about raising awareness of the importance of mental health because without mental health, there is no health. You know, you cannot live a healthy, happy life without your brain working optimally and your brain reacting to, you know, adverse things in life because life is not just, you know, a bed of roses. We know that. It's how we react to that. And if your, your brain started, starts to, to react in a negative way to, to everyday stresses, then you should say, you know, I need help if, if those symptoms persist for a certain period of time. Yes. And that's where awareness raising is, comes into play and is so important. And it, it really starts with raising awareness and it really starts in the way with how we write about mental health yes so i think that what you to to my mind what we're saying is there's tragedy but within tragedy there's opportunity Mm. to discuss and to say okay what do we learn from this and how do we move forward um not that we're saying specifically that we are now going to provide a solution that prevents it ever happening again but we might very well assist many people who might otherwise have moved in that direction and so i think that we shouldn't lose opportunities to to discuss and we shouldn't shy away from the from the topic because i think talking about it is not promoting it talking about it is trying to understand it and potentially prevent it so Lizette and France, there were lots of things that I didn't get to discuss. But there's one thing I do want to specifically mm. close with, and that comes from you, Lizette. Afrikaans is a very expressive language, and I really enjoy the language. And the idea of moving from self-mort to self-do-it was for me actually a very – English doesn't capture it in the same way. Afrikaans captures it. So we're moving from murdering yourself to dying yourself. And I, and, mm-hmm. and I think it's, it's, it's a, I mean, in Afrikaans, y- you can look at it and you can see it immediately, exactly how it changes. So obviously you came to that, uh, Lizette. Yeah, you know, um, Afrikaans is, is archaic in certain um, instances where those words that, that carries stigma in its DNA, yes. um, it, you know, should be, should be questioned. Right. In Afrikaans, also the word gestus gesondheit, um, mental health. Yes. Yes, means there's something wrong with your spirit. Right. <laughs> well, it's got nothing to do with your spirit. It's got everything to do with your brain yes. and brain health. And that's why in the USA they say we shouldn't talk about mental health because that might sound too abstract to some people. We should talk about brain health. So, so um, you know, maybe just question everything. Yes. Go back to the to the essence of what we are talking about yes. and make sure you don't do harm. 
right. in how you report. Mm. I think that's that's yeah. a reasonable comment on 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 which to close and and something yeah. for people to to think about. So Lizette France, I want to thank you for taking the time to to join us today, sharing not just knowledge and expertise, but also Lizette, you shared a bit of your personal story. So for me, you know, today's conversation has ultimately, I think, been about responsible media. And so I want to close with a few thoughts about what responsible media is. And I have to tell you that the content that I'm going to quote actually had nothing to do with suicide reporting, yet for me in some ways captures the uh, the essence of what we were talking about. And in fact, you can find that on a website, www.thedrum.com. And this is what they said about responsible media. Responsible media seeks to solve the social and environmental challenges associated with developing, producing, and monetizing content. Responsible media is all about enabling people to make responsible decisions based on relevant, accurate data. So, on those words, we end. Thank you. This has been Beyond Madness in proud association with Adcock Ingram OTC, sponsors of Brave, inspiring communities one pharmacy at a time. Remember, there is no health without mental health, and until next time, take care.